listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. Only it's just Fred this time, and I am joined by a special guest for this bonus episode of Draw Near. Julie Store from Lexio the Liturgy is joining me. Hi, Julie. Hi, Fred. Who is Julie Store, and what is Lexio the Liturgy? We'll start with the who is Julie Store. You're the first person in Northwest Iowa that was a Catholic that loved Jesus that I met long before I moved to Northwest Iowa. So we've known each other for. Well, about nine years, I guess it is, yeah. or more. So, But they don't know who you are. So who is Julie Storr? Uh, Julie Storr lives in Pocahontas, Iowa. She and her husband um, are members of Resurrection of Our Lord here in town. We have two adult children. Um, I was a convert who was never, ever going to be Catholic. Ever. <laughs> Turns out I was a pretty good non-Catholic Catholic. Yeah. Um, and then when I joined the church, I expected to be a normal Catholic. And finding out that I'm not sure what a normal Catholic is because yeah. what um, is what is normal? Yeah, <laughs> and um, because I love the church, I love liturgy, I love prayer, I love Jesus, and um, I'm excited to be Catholic. Yeah, amen to that. I I share your story of growing being a Protestant, and I went to Oral Roberts University. I want to say you had family there as well. I do. So kind of the idea of becoming Catholic was like no way. I, I'll steal some Catholics away, but I won't become Catholic. No way. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> so. pretty much it. And, you know, my husband was Catholic, and it was okay with him that I wasn't. But but we knew when he, we had kids, we have two boys, they're both adults now, um, that we should go to church together. And honestly, mm-hmm. the first time I went to Mass, I had been to a Mass, um, I looked really close, and it was all in English. I don't know what I expected mm-hmm. to hear. And I watched everyone as they came back from receiving, they would go up to receive communion and go back to their pew. And I watched every person because we sat in the back then. Right. And nobody worshipped statues. And I don't think that I would know what statue worship looks like, but I didn't really right. see anybody doing it. So yeah. it was somehow okay. That's funny. Yeah, I kind of had a lot of those ideas as well. And then, I don't know, the first time I attended a Catholic Mass, it was before I had much of a grounding in any faith in particular, it was more just confusing. Stand, sit, kneel. Yep. Stand, sit, kneel. Stand, sit, kneel. Oh, that smells nice. And I went up for communion. You know, I'm ashamed to admit that now, but I didn't know any better. Right. Then, yeah, it's, what was it that drew you into the Catholic Church? If you had to say one thing, what was that one thing? Um, Well, I think, well, honestly, I think it was Mary which is not mm. uncommon for converts. But you know how Protestants are with Mary. They just kind of tend not to think about Mary. Um, right. I had an experience when my youngest son was born, and I had an experience with a Eucharistic minister at St. Luke's in Sioux City. And after that, you know, we w- came back home. He was born early. He was born on Christmas Eve. We came back home. We started going to Mass again, and everybody would get up to go to communion, and I would just sit in the pew and cry. And I, my husband denies it, but he did tell me, you really should talk to father. Cause I mean, it wasn't a sniffle. I was like crying. Oh, wow. So father, it was father Kolosh. And he said, mm. I think you should consider joining the church. Oh, wow. So nice. um, when I came into the church, we started our, our oldest son, we started at Catholic school. Um, I absolutely loved when he brought home religious ed homework. I couldn't get enough. I couldn't learn enough. Mm-hmm. I think pretty sure my husband wonders what happened to her. <laughs> but God was waiting, you know, all that yeah, time he was preparing. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. It it was the Eucharist for me. Uh, just the, the words. I remember sitting in a 
Protestant service at my church, and you know, we did this big Easter production every year, and and our pastor was actually playing Jesus this particular year, and you know, we prided ourselves on being word people, and you probably remember phrases yep. like that. We're a we're a word church, and um, for the most part, the play was faithful word for word, exact scriptures, except when it came to the institution of the Eucharist. And Jesus, played by my pastor, said, this represents my body, this represents my blood. And, and at that point, I, I had already, like, I, there was a Catholic professor at Oral Roberts that had a profound effect on my life. I was his teaching assistant with church fathers. And so, like, a lot of that was taking root in me. And I'm sure, like, you had a similar thing, like a lot of things taking root in you. But when I heard those words, it just... I felt so angry. Like, we're not word people. <laughs> if we're right. word people, we wouldn't change the words, you know? And so I got up and left. And, and I feel like in a way, I kind of never really went back. Right. So after that, we started, we started attending mass every Sunday. And in a megachurch, it is, even if you work there, it is kind of easy to slowly slip through the cracks Yep. with times. So I spent my yeah. last few months of working at that church, trying to uh, evangelize my fellow non-Catholics into the Catholic church before I was even Catholic. So it was kind of fun. That's how it works sometimes. Yeah. Us converts, I'm told, are really good at that sort of thing. When you get, do you get those kind of compliments and, and how do you receive that? How do you respond to that? Uh, Well, actually I had someone tell me one time, it's no wonder you're excited to be Catholic. You're a convert. And Mm. I was, I was kind of sad actually, because and I, and I know that you kind of, when you grow up Catholic, you're just used to it. That's just how it is. Right. Um, yeah. So I hope that converts like, and I think my response then was, I hope then I bring, you know, some life back to you, you know, mm-hmm. having someone, seeing someone excited about being there in their faith. And right. I remember one time I was on a plane and I actually got to sit next to a priest who belongs to a, um, the SSPX, right? So that was, that was really fun. Um, and we were talking and I never wanted to, I didn't want to bring up differences. I wanted right. to talk about what we had in common. And mm-hmm. so I could talk about how much I loved Jesus, how much I loved the mass. The Eucharist is everything to me, the angels and saints and Mary. And when we got off the plane that day, he said, thanks for your time. And he said, it was excited to talk to someone else excited about God. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah. that's really, there's enough driving us apart. We need things to bring us together. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. I found as a convert, I, I see two things when I get that that kind of response from folks about, you know, you, of course you're a convert, so of course you love your faith. But there's two things that stand out to me, uh, on, and I'm sure you can relate to this. On one end, it's, well, our faith costed us something. Right. You know, I had relationships that suffered because I became Catholic. You know, <laughs> I committed career suicide because I came became Catholic. Right. And I know you probably had similar you know, things as you came into the Catholic Church, right. you know, family or friends or whatnot that were like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I could never do but, that. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. That's really all the support I got. Right. But on the other end of the spectrum, I think it is still possible as a convert to f- come into those seasons where you're just going into the mo- going through the motions and you take it for granted, just like anyone else. So I think no matter if we're a convert or a lifelong Catholic, we still have to guard against just going through the motions, which leads me to the next question. Lexio, the liturgy. That is what you're after is not just going through the motions, right. correct? Right, right. Yeah. 
I kind of, I started this, I went to church one Easter, it was, it was a few years ago, you know, get your halo all straight with my Bible and my right. journal. And I was going to like, just hear from God in the scripture. And I'll, I'll not forget that there were two words that just jumped off the page. And it was, we were reading from John because it was Easter. And those words in the verse were so that, and I was stunned because nothing else came to me except so that. And I said, so mm-hmm. that's it. And I did what anyone else would do. I went home because that couldn't right. be right. So I went back a couple days later. We're still reading from John. And don't you know, there was another mm-hmm. verse, so that. And <laughs> John was talking about remain in me, mm-hmm. right? Remain in me so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. And there mm-hmm. was so that. So I started to read so that as an equal sign. Then I went home and I got out a notebook. And this may date me some, but I started diagramming scripture. Remember in high school where we had to diagram, yeah. you know, subject, predicate, yep. prepositional phrases, adjectives, adverbs. And I right. started looking at scripture as the parts of speech. Mm-hmm. And that is so cool because verbs, I love verbs. Verbs are power. Prepositional right. phrases, adjectives, adverbs. It was, it's so much fun. Then one day I was home and I was going, I, I used the Magnificat for my prayer journal or my scripture reading for the daily mass. And there was like, I opened the book and there was another so that, and it was in the collect. And I never really, okay, so I never read the collect. I never listened to the prayers of the mass because I'm there for the scripture, right? So I'm there for the Eucharist. And I saw, I started reading the collect and I was blown away. And I realized 40 minutes later, I was still meditating on the collect. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. So I started doing research. I have like now five or six books just on the prayers of the mass. I own a, you know, they have a paperback copy of the Roman Missal. And, and I love, I love to read those prayers. Some of these collects date back to the fifth century, right. you know, and yeah. I'm thinking about belonging to a church where the people have prayed these prayers mm-hmm. for 1600 years. Right. And did, how have we listened to them? Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much to learn. Yeah. So I started diagramming the colics. And I started telling people what I was getting in the prayers of the mass. And nobody, of course, had ever heard of that. And I came across the Vatican. There's a Vatican II document on, on the constitution of sacred liturgy. And in article 48, mm-hmm. it says the church earnestly desires that Christ's faithful when present at this mystery of faith should not be there as strangers or silent spectators. On the contrary, through a good understanding of the rites and the prayers. They should take part in the sacred action, conscious of what they are doing with devotion and full collaboration. Vatican II told us we should know not only about the rites, but about the prayers of the Mass. Yeah. So as I was working through one day, why there's so much division? Why, Why we go to Mass and Protestants have a church service? And I was just, you know what, Lord, this is hard. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer came and it was, the Mass is not your church service. The Mass is your prayer. Mm. right? That's the difference. Yeah, We don't right. go for the entertainment. We go to pray. That's why the mass mm. is required attendance because it's right. not a church service. Yeah, that's a good point. So when we come together to pray together, the Roman Missal is the prayer book mm-hmm. and the prayers are amazing. Yeah, they are. Some of those, for, well, first, for those that might not be familiar with the, with the term collect, what is the collect and where is it found in the mass? Okay, the collect is actually the verb form of the word. The verb or the noun. The verb is collect, Mm. but collect is the noun. And it comes at the end of the introductory rites. So we have the procession, um, the greeting. um, We have, we ask, you know, for forgiveness of sins. We have the confidior. 
We sing the Gloria. Mm -hmm. And when the priest says, let us pray, that is not the cue for the server to get the book. Mm. That is the cue for us to pray. And that's where we bring our prayers to God. The whole part, the whole thing about the introductory rites is to bring us together, all the people together as one body. So what happens in the collect is we bring our prayers. That might be our mass intentions or our sorrows or our sufferings or our joys. Mm -hmm. And then the priest begins the collect and he collects all of our prayers and offers as one and offers them up to the Father. Mm, That's beautiful. And the words of those collects are often so beautiful and so profound and so just as words even more so as as a prayer and so but oftentimes that's one of those parts of the mass where we tend to just not be very present you know and and so i think it's 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 good that you're pointing this out to folks and teaching them how to enter into an active participation in the mass which of course active participation is more than just i'm an usher i'm a greeter I'm the lector. Exactly. It's active in the heart. Actively praying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And um, as we, as I, there's lots and lots of websites now that are offering reflections on the scripture of the mass. Mm-hmm. But listening to the scripture doesn't start a reading from the book of. Right. 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 Just to be able to hear and listen starts in the introductory rites. Mm-hmm. So what I found is when people come to mass, and they're familiar with what's going to happen in the collect. They're already ready to hear and they're already ready to listen. Mm-hmm. So when we actually start the, the, the scripture, their, their mindset is already, I just heard this in the collect. Now what, do I, now what does God have to say to me in the scripture readings? Mm. Yeah. So perhaps as we come to mass, what we should be saying to ourselves is, I get to hear the Lord today. Is that what you're saying? What does God have to say what to me today? What does God have to say to me today? Yeah, that's beautiful. Right. That's beautiful. So how does Lexio the liturgy work? Because I know you have a website dedicated to this, and yep. you, you teach folks how to do it. How does it work, and why should we? I guess two questions in one, but I'll let you kind of take it from there. So um, I actually, just to let you know that I'm also a CatholicMom.com contributor. So you can find my column at CatholicMom.com, and it appears there about noon Eastern time on Saturdays. Mm. But at my website, I actually, I actually graph things out. Mm-hmm. And I found out that when we're studying prayer, oftentimes there are five parts to the prayer. Okay? Who the prayer is addressed to. Mm-hmm. And there's often a description of God. So I call that the who. Mm-hmm. What we're God asking God to do. And sometimes there's an accrue. That's where the so that's come in. Mm-hmm. Because then I learned what the so that's actually are. And then we always pray through Christ our Lord. So... I have a graph on there where I actually break down the the do, what we're asking God to do of the prayer, who the prayer is addressed to, if there's any accrue in there, if there's anything we're going to have to gain, and then who we gonna who we pray through through Christ our Lord. Mm-hmm. So, and then in each week, what I've been doing is I I study one of the prayers of the Mass, mm-hmm. and I actually just take the notes and kind of write up what has come to me as I've lexioed that prayer. So people can follow along. They can use that as a sounding board for their own Lexio. Mm-hmm. But it's just time that we start paying attention to all of the Mass, Amen. Yeah. not just a bit of yeah. it. Because it's all it's the highest form of public prayer in the Church. Right. But the propers, the, those prayers of the Mass, are the official prayer book of the Church. Amen. I love that, uh, for those of you who listen, we'll share more of this like going forward, but we're, we'll be collaborating with Julie on... A number of things, and we're really excited about that. And as you as you hear her describing 
what it looks like. You, you've heard us walk through the Our Father line by line. And on several episodes, we've done the same thing with the Come Holy Spirit prayer. That is one of our goals as well. Is like, let's actually think about what we're praying, reflect right. on, even like praise music. We often incorporate that into our discussions. Like, let's take a moment and actually reflect on what is this saying about God? What is it revealing to us? What are we saying to God? You know, and what is that's all exactly mean? right because um, I love praise and worship music, mm-hmm. but it's not like just going down the road singing music. Right. Just like praise and worship, just like these prayers of the mass, we actually like deliberately right speak to God. Yeah, yeah, right. Just making that conscious effort to be in, in communion with Him. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful too, in regards to the mass, is He's speaking back. <laughs> just like exactly. you said. I love that. What does he have to say to me today? I know you often speak on this very topic of hearing God's voice. Mm-hmm. So how can we hear God's voice more, Julie? How would you answer that question? If, if somebody listening is thinking, I've never heard God's voice, or I hear Kara and Fred say they've heard God's voice. I heard Father Pat say he heard God's voice last week. You know, how do, how do I hear God's voice? How would you answer that question? Well, we can always hear God's voice in Scripture mm-hmm. because Scripture is the Holy Spirit, right? So as we read Scripture, the Spirit reads us, and we read, we read, we read the words of God. Amen. And we can hear God speak through other people, mm-hmm. right? Someone will come up and say, "Did you know?" or "Did you hear?" or "I love this," or or someone. Sometimes it can even be um, a song, not even a, a. It can be a secular song. Mm-hmm. Just this line just jumps out at you, right? But but when I don't know what to make for supper, I don't call my husband's office and say, could you ask Pat what he wants for supper? <laughs> right? right? And they're going to say, did his phone die? Right. They're going to say, call him. Mm-hmm. So we need that same, we have that same relationship with right. God. He created us to hear his voice. My sheep hear my hear voice. My voice. Yeah, follow. So there are three voices that, that speak to us in our mind. And if you just like, just take a minute. And say your first, middle, and last name in your head. Okay, take a few seconds. Yeah, mine's a long That's what name, the voice so of God it, sounds so like. Yeah, longer. yours is longer. <laughs> um, so there are three of those voices in our head. And one of them is ourselves, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what I'm having for supper. I think I should get eggs and bacon. I know we're out of bread, mm-hmm. right? That's me, this critical thinker. I'm pretty left brain. I like to figure stuff out. Right. There's another voice that says, you really messed up. Yes. You're no good. Yeah. You know, that's the lie. Mm. And Satan is the father of all lies. So Satan's going to try to discourage us right. and tear us down. Yeah. And for some reason, those two voices seem to always be louder than the third voice, right. which is the one that says, you are precious to me. Mm-hmm. I love spending time with you. You're a joy for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love being with you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I... and that's the voice of God because God's God's words are going to be holy, true, joyful, uplifting, mm-hmm. full of peace. Right. Yeah. And those are the, that's the words of God. So when we're at mass, you just may even hear, I love you. Right. And it didn't come from you. Mm-hmm. It came from God. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. As we kind of close out our discussion a little bit, Julie, is there anything like I, I want to, how can people like, I don't know if we actually said your website yet. <laughs> How can people find you? How can they learn more about you? And um, 
how can they get started on this Lexio the Liturgy journey? We're going to have links in the show notes, and surprise, surprise, we are actually going to let Julie close out this episode uh, of Draw Near because we're we're posting this on the Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent in in 2022, and she's already got the Lexio the Liturgy reflection done for that Sunday. So I hope you're listening to this in time. If not, well, you can reflect backwards. That's fine, too. That's right. So how, where can they go to learn more about you and your ministry and your work and everything you're doing? They can find me at LexioTheLiturgy.com, L-A-C-T-I-O, LexioTheLiturgy.com, um, and at CatholicMom.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. Not as active on Twitter, but I'm there. So and at my website, LexioTheLiturgy.com, you'll be able to find, I've done the collects for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the collect for the first Sunday of Advent is there, and it's at catholicmom.com as well. I just need to use the search box. But this week I started looking at the prayer after communion. Mm. And the prayer after communion is after communion. But what it does is it summarizes and restates what we have just received, mm. right? The priest prays this prayer on our behalf um, just to remind us that we should be changed. Yeah, yeah. Right? We've been to Mass. We're not the same as what we were before. So the prayer after communion reads, May these mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray. For even now, as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures. Amen. So as I was praying this prayer this week, I was thinking about, well, first of all, profit here means could mean serve. Mm -hmm. So... Receiving the strength and the grace of the Eucharist serves us because we're going to walk amid passing things. So I was thinking about the things in my life that are passing or earthly and which are heavenly, which are eternal. Mm. So we had a ball game on and it was fun to watch the game, but that's an earthly thing, right? Right. Someday when I get to heaven, that's just not going to matter. But when I go to mass... I'm pr- we're praying individually, collectively, right? So when we go to Mass and we're, we're in that liturgy and God is present, mm-hmm. we're no longer in central time. We're in kingdom time. Amen. And that's a grace that's going to be with us into eternity. Yeah. So a couple days ago, there was leftover tacos. So that's what I had for lunch. Mm-hmm. And it was just lunch, mm-hmm. right? But yet when I go to Mass and receive the Eucharist, that's not just lunch. Mm-hmm. That's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus which is the food, this, the food of heaven, yeah, yeah, the food of eternal life. Yeah. So I, ta- I thought about Jesus, because that's what Advent, Advent is, right? The arrival of Jesus, who walked among us, mm-hmm. just like we did, among all these things that will pass away. Right. I love my car. I like my house, too. Right. But they're not going to be forever. But they get me mm-hmm. where I need to go and what, where I need to go and what I need to do. Yeah. But when Jesus was on earth, you know, he probably stubbed his toe on a rock and then he remembered he made the rock. Right. Right. Uh-huh. But he used earthly things for his ministry. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, he cooked for the, 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 the apostles after the resurrection. They were still disciples. He, he went to a wedding feast. He probably knew how to dance. Right. You know, he served bread and wine. He made mud and healed people. Mm. But he used those earthly things to, to show us heavenly things. Right. So... It's not a matter of always doing everything to always have to be, you know, on your faith and, you know, up, no, eat turkey. Has, you know, it has to remind us of something. No, it's a matter of having this balance in your life. Right. 
and always remembering that the heavenly is always there with us too. Right. Amen. And we can't not pay attention to the heavenly because we're so tied up in the earthly. And that's really hard. And that's what that second voice in our head, the voice of the evil one, would love to distract us. Right. So we just kind of forget that yeah. there is an eternity. Yeah. You mentioned how the hardest voice to hear is the Lord's and how he speaks loving good things and beautiful things and encouraging things, edifying things. And tying all that together with what you said, I'm reminded of what St. Paul says, love is the thing that endures. Right. And that's what comes through. Like, that's what I see in how you described, you know, the mass and heaven being present. We, we say all the time in this world, you know, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. But there's one thing in this world you actually can take with you. It's the same thing that holds you together. It's the same thing why you exist, and that's love. Right. You can take love with you, especially God's That's right. And we actually hear that a little bit in the collect for this week, because the collect says, Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming. And I notice that it doesn't say good deeds. Right. Yeah. It says righteous deeds, Mm -hmm. right? Those righteous deeds are the ones that are eternal. Amen. Those are the ones we bring with us. Right. Amen. That's beautiful. Well, Julie, we're going to turn it over to you for your reflection. And I want to thank you for being on Draw Near for this uh, bonus holiday special, if you will, uh, for this Thanksgiving week. Everyone, you'll hear more from Julie uh, in the future. So thank you again, Julie. Thanks, Fred. Today we Lexio the liturgy with a prayer after communion for the first Sunday of Advent. The purpose of the prayer after communion is to summarize and state again what we have experienced in word, action, and belief. The priest prays on our behalf that the Mass will not let us go unchanged, that the body of Christ which we received will have an effect in our lives. This week's prayer reads, May these mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray. For even now, as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. We begin the prayer asking God that what we have received will profit us. Used here, the verb means to benefit or to do good. However, another meaning that may help us more is serve. May our participation in today's liturgy serve us as we go forth, because we're going to need it. Our prayer today reminds us that we're going to be out in the world. However, the things that we pass by, the things that we deal with from day to day are merely passing things. They are earthly things that we are not to cling to. They are there to remind us of heavenly things. And the Father wants to teach us the difference between the two. I've been thinking about this a lot this week, which which events of my day are earthly and which are heavenly. It's fun to watch a ball game, especially when your team wins. But while it is enjoyable, watching the game isn't something I can take into eternal life. An example of what we can take into eternal life is the Mass. We enter into the prayer. God becomes present. This is eternal. This is heaven on earth. I've been told that when we're at Mass, we are no longer on Central Time here in Iowa. Instead, we enter Kingdom Time as we join heaven in prayer. Those leftover tacos I had for lunch a few days ago, it was just lunch, as the earthly body needs food to function. However, 
receiving Holy Communion is eternal. My eternal soul needs food as well, and this food is heavenly food. As we journey through Advent, Jesus is our example to follow. Jesus walked amid passing things, and I'm sure that Jesus enjoyed earthly things. He knew how to fish and cook on a fire. See John chapter 21. In John chapter 2, we learn that Jesus was invited to a wedding feast. He probably knew how to dance, and I'll bet he was good at it. Even though he was on earth, Jesus kept his mind on heavenly things. He did what he saw the Father doing, John 5.19. And he said what he heard the Father say, John 12.49. He walked among us, among amid earthly things, using water to baptize, mud to heal, and his blood to save. Our lives are similar. We are amid the earthly water and wine. However, by the power of God, they become heavenly. And this is what we should be holding fast to, the heavenly things that endure. May we begin this Advent season truly striving to be more mindful of the earthly that points to the heavenly in our lives. Oh, and by the way, if you're one of the folks that leaves Mass right after communion, don't. Stay for the prayer and the blessing. The graces we receive at Mass have the power to change us. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1128, teaches that the fruits of the sacraments depend on the disposition of the one who receives them. What we receive begins with us. Thank you for praying with me. Learn more at LexioTheLiturgy.com.